0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now.
1: Well, as I mentioned, I'm really excited to share on this first Sunday of the year because after Pastor Ben asked me to teach, I really went to prayer asking God what He would have me to say. And I feel like this is where he lead me, led me. So I kind of need to start with a brief admission about myself, let you a little bit behind the curtain. Um, some of you who may know me best know that I kind of have an affinity for really good deals. Um, I love buying things on sale. In fact, Pastor Ben has at times given me the nickname, The Coupon King. But it will backfire sometimes because I'll even use coupons to get things I don't necessarily need. (laughs) But if there's a market for some advertisers out there trying to draw in consumers with coupons, I'm that person. Case in point, I bought my coffee this morning with a coupon. And then I geeked out because he gave it to me back. And I was like, I can use it again. And it was only two bucks. So I was really excited. So... All that said, I really like free stuff, and for a while, iTunes, which connects to Apple stuff, was giving away a free application, a phone app, a week. And uh, some of the apps, they were free. You know, you could tell that they weren't that great. But one of them uh, was Merriam-Webster's Dictionary and Thesaurus, which is my favorite type of dinosaur, in case you didn't know. Okay. (laughs) And uh, it's proven itself very useful, because at the touch of a button, I can... Uh, redefine or initially discover the meaning of a word in a flash, and that's pretty nice. Um, side note, I think texting is killing the English language, but don't even get me started. So I'm walking around with my iPhone and this tremendous tool in my hands, and I thought, I should see what the definition of redefine is. And, and here it is. It's to define or to discover again to re-examine or re-evaluate, especially with a view to change or to give new meaning to. And as I read that, I couldn't help but think of the movie The Princess Bride. And I'm sorry if you haven't seen it. If you have, it's a classic. But in it, there's a hired kidnapper played by this excellent actor named Wallace Shawn. And he's become famous... like like it's extended past the movie because he repeats this line where he keeps saying uh, in a very nasally tone, inconceivable. And he says it to the point where one of the other kidnappers in his troop says, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what, it, what you think it means. And, and it's like he just keeps saying this, this is beyond conception and it's just so funny and uh, that movie's great. But this whole concept of redefining things uh, in my mind, married perfectly with the beginning of the new year and what God wants to speak to us today, because the thought is, is that this new time frame. Although we see that from December 31st to January 1st, nothing big changes. Maybe our diets, maybe some of our our goals and our plans, but nothing changes. The world, you know, didn't turn. The sky didn't turn from green to blue, or or vice versa. All that happens is it is an opportunity for us to revisit or redefine our goals, our lives, our relationships, to visualize what we want to accomplish in 2019 and to give it to God and say, Jesus, what does this year hold for me? What do you want December 31st of 2019 to look like when this year is in the books? And here's where it got real for me, because in dwelling on what God has wanted for my life in 2019... I felt like he spoke to my heart, and he told me that he wanted to redefine the gospel and its importance in my life. He said, Josh, this is something that is so important to me, that I want to redefine it in your life, because we're oftentimes redefining God in in our lives. We're rediscovering him, and and the, the broad spectrum picture that we have of him is getting bigger, And sometimes we think God, you know, we can put him in this little box, and then we discover something about him, and he gets so much more and so much grander, and it makes us fall more in love with him. And that's what redefining is all about. And so the gospel, in simplistic terms, is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's what you and I received when we first came to him. It's that good news. It's that, it's that thing that Pastor Ben talks about when it's like, there's a sale at pennies, and you're like, there's a sale at pennies. And then all of a sudden, it's like, the good news of Jesus Christ, and we want to hold that in higher esteem than just a coupon. And so my hope on this is that as we visit the, the concept of redefining, we, we see that it's not a cosmic concept. It's not over our heads. Because all it is is revisiting or reexamining something, learning more about it, broadening our concept of it, and having a deeper appreciation or a, a, a bigger drive because of that understanding. And so this morning, my hope and goal for this teaching is we would come away knowing three things. And if you're taking notes, you can write those three things down because there are three points. First and foremost, number one, our lives have a purpose. Our lives have a purpose. Number two, that purpose is the gospel. That purpose is the gospel. And then number three, and the gospel is powerful. Our lives have a purpose. That purpose is the gospel, and the gospel is powerful. And I pray that this message would be a simple, practical, and direct approach to the good news of Jesus Christ, and it would give us all the tools for witnessing and a renewed vision and calling for the coming year. That at the end of this message, we'll all be able to, as we are empowered by the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, to boldly, clearly, and concisely share our faith story, our testimony, and number two... Be able to lead someone to Christ. That's that's my heart in this is that at the end of this message, you'll feel not only able to, but empowered by the Holy Spirit to share your testimony and to lead someone to Jesus. Because I was I was visiting with one of our folks this morning, even for pastors, when somebody says, Well, how do I come to know Christ? we can fumble over our words. We can get a little flustered on, well, what do I say? And I know the more we do it, the more comfortable we we are with it. And so that's why this message is titled The ABCs of Salvation, because my desire is to equip all of us on how to simply lead someone into a relationship with Jesus. That this concept would be as easy as remembering the letters ABC, because we don't want it to be daunting. We don't want it to find ourselves fumbling for words because God's word actually has a system that makes it easy. Isn't that neat? So point number one, let's go right into it. Our lives have a purpose. Right out of the gate, I want to acknowledge that as I look out, there might not be, but there might be two different types of people here in the church listening. First and foremost, those that have received salvation and then those that haven't yet. And the neat thing is, is this message is really for both types of people. Because if you're here and you're a believer, then this is all about equipping you and giving you a tool. And if you're here and you haven't made that, that decision yet or that step yet, I pray that this message reaches your heart with the single greatest thing that anyone could tell you. I remember just from the pulpit a few weeks ago, somebody said, if you haven't received Jesus, why not? You know, because God's gift is so free. And it's so wonderful, and it's so gracious, and we'll talk about that. So recently, we just finished reading the Bible in a year, and as Stephen mentioned during announcements, it's really not too late to start for 2019 if you still want to do it. And I'll tell you right now, the devil is going to test you on your resolve because it can be a challenge, but it is so rewarding. And it's such a neat thing to say as a believer. I've taken the love letter that God wrote for me, and I've covered it. And then to be able to pick it up and say, I'm going to do it again next year, and I'm going to do it again next year, and I'm going to, I'm going to go through um, a chronological version where it says everything in the order that it happened. Because this year, that 2018, was the first time that I've ever read the Bible in a chronological version. And I have to ask you this as believers. Do you know that, that nagging, and I don't even know if that's the right word, but that pulling conviction from the Holy Spirit when you read something that God is speaking to you about? and you almost want to just shrug it off, but you know in order to grow, you have to deal with it. That point where the Holy Spirit's like, hey, 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 you know? And I mean, in our sin, we can be like, no, I'm not listening, you know? But if we want to advance with God, if we want to allow Him to grow our hearts, we have to deal with it. And for me, That conviction came from reading the letters of Peter, Paul, and John, not not a band, actual apostles. And uh, these guys experienced Jesus and their whole world is built around him. I mean, they were there. They saw him in the flesh. Paul saw Jesus in heaven and he was like, Paul, why are you persecuting me? So they all had personal experience with him and their whole world was built around him. I mean, they lived it. And so in their letters, they are encouraging people with all their hearts, with all their energy to press into him as they wait for his soon return. To focus on the eternal reward over the present day world, worldly desires or the present day tribulation and sufferings that they're going through. To remind them that life is a blink and then it's over. And they, they said this in verses like, I'm going to say 2 Corinthians 5. And uh, our second Corinthians, I'm sorry, four, it says in verse 16 and 17, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day for our present troubles are small and won't vast, last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Paul says, I've been beaten multiple times. I was stoned to death. People threw rocks at me until they thought I was dead. And whether he was dead or not is is up for debate. I got shipwrecked three times. I have been beaten with rods. And he goes, you know what I count those as? Light afflictions. Because I am pressing toward the eternal glory. I'm pressing on for what is going to last forever versus what's temporary. And then Peter in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 12 says, but you are not like that. Speaking of... The Israelites who were rejecting salvation, he says, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's own very, very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you received God's mercy. And then here's where it gets awesome. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. And so in my realization that I needed to redefine the gospel in my life and, and my purpose and how it relates to the gospel, I had to confess some sin. Because on one side, you see in Hebrews chapter 11, the saints are surrounding you like a, like a giant coliseum, and they're cheering you on to run the race and fulfill your calling. But on the other side is the world and the flesh and the devil fighting for your affection and your attention telling you that you'll always have tomorrow. Did you know that tomorrow is one of Satan's favorite words? I mean it, it's just like I mean of course it's a procrastinator's favorite word but I believe that Satan is like he's the the king of the club because you know you talk about well I'm going to I'm going to start reading my bible tomorrow. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go to church next week. Whatever it is it's like all these things that that God wants to use to grow us in our our walks, Satan's always like, oh, yeah, you can do that next time. You know, this is the last time I'm going to sin like this. This is the last time I'm going to have this um, thing where I look at something bad on the Internet. This is the last time where I mess around with my girlfriend. Whatever it is, it's always like, I'll start tomorrow. Satan's like, hey, that's a great word. On the contrast, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, today is the day of salvation. Like Pastor James McDonald says, today, Junior, like um, Indiana Jones, but today is the day of salvation. Right now is the right time. So Satan says tomorrow, God says today, right now. And so I believe wholeheartedly that our enemy wants to put a dread and a fear of the unknown future in our hearts, in the hearts of believers, that he wants to make you think that heaven is gonna be lame. I mean, Satan is a great PR person, because what do we see when we see heaven depicted in movies and TV and animation? It's babies in diapers on clouds with harps, and they're sitting there, you know, and Peter is at the gate going, what do you do to earn salvation? And no, no, that's not right. Because our job as believers and students of God's word is to overcome that lie that's straight from the pit of hell and to know that heaven really, for us, needs to get here as soon as possible. I mean, that's the best thing. And and I have to tell you, that's why I'm confessing sin, because sometimes I'm that guy that's like, I just got married. And we want to have kids. And I love my wife and I love our relationship together. And I'm like, God, the Star Wars 9 is coming out still. You know, I mean, oh, this this is such a bad confession. But, you know, I mean, what we have to understand is that heaven is going to be so much better. We have to understand that God's kingdom is going to do away. It's going to eradicate sin and death and disease and decay and suffering and cancer and hurt and tears. We have to understand that right now, the prince of the power of the air, God is allowing him to, to deceive people, and they are literally on a highway to hell. And, and to think otherwise, I'm sorry, is just its terrible. It's, it's, it's unrighteous. We need to strive for God's kingdom. We need to pray every day that Jesus would come soon, and we need to not get entangled with the affairs of this world because the moment that we do... We lose sight of what's important. The authors that God used to write scripture longed for heaven with all their beings, and so should we, because we want to be with Jesus. Our reward, Pastor Ben says it, is not heaven. Our reward is Jesus. One day we're going to be able to get to heaven, and he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. And all of a sudden, we don't even need a sun anymore because the light is going to come from the throne of God. The Lord is coming soon, but his delay for us is not to build bigger barns or accumulate more stuff or focus on the trivial things of this world. It's to reach more people. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord isn't being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. Romans 11.25 says that Israel is blinded to the truth as Jesus as their Messiah, but that blindness will last only until the fullness of the Gentiles has come, or as the New Living Translation says, until the full number of Gentiles comes to Christ. There is a number out there that God only knows, where all around the world, at a certain time, people are going to get saved, and there's going to be one last one. And at that moment, God's going to say, Jesus, get your bride. And until that time... God is actually being patient. You know, we think of, oh, God's going to come back. Harold Camping says it's going to be in this state. And we look and the world laughs at us because here comes this radical preacher off the wall that nobody's actually agreeing with in the internal faith who's like, Jesus is coming back. And then the world just scoffs. And then you look at the world system and you're like, well, you know, necessarily we can, we don't have the whole like new world order set up really quickly. no. God could have come back at any moment. But the fact that he hasn't yet is actually his grace. It's his mercy. It's his reaching arms that are extended to the masses. And if we don't have that gospel in our hearts, then we need to check our lives. I pray that that number that we know is is out there includes the people that we are witnessing to. The ones that you think of immediately when I say, hey, I encourage you to pray for salvation for your family, your friends, and your coworkers. And so God hasn't forgotten about us. He's not slack in his promise. He's not like, oh, I'll come sometime. No, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but he is literally sitting next to God the Father going, come on, (laughs) you know, it's my bride. I mean, how many of us got married? You know, were you like dreading your wedding day? And you're like, oh, this is worse, you know? No, you were like, come on. You know, pastors, now speed it up. You know, Jesus wants his bride. But the fact that he's waiting is for us. And so he's given us a purpose. Our lives have a purpose. Number two, because that purpose is the gospel. I can't emphasize enough That if while you are here and you are saved, that Satan, the enemy of our faith, he would rather hurt God as much as possible by influencing you to reject him and to wind up in hell. But since you're saved, since you're already in God's hand, he can't do that. So you know what he does? Since he already knows your eternal destination, he switches strategies because he's crafty like that. And what he wants to do is if he can't send you to hell, he wants to do everything he can to make you as ineffective as possible. He wants to flash shiny things in front of your eyes. He wants to make the focus that you have be on yourself and not on the things of God. He wants to get us so caught up in civilian affairs that we forget what we're here for. And honestly, being the science science fiction geek that I am, I would love it. If the moment that somebody got saved, that all of a sudden they would just be like, raptured wouldn't that be so cool? I mean, if it was just like agents of of shield but agents of salvation and like only a few of us were here and we're like, you know, here's the gospel of God and they were like, I believe it. You know, they were gone. That would be so awesome but here's the deal. It's kind of like multi-level marketing because what happens is I preach the gospel and Anthony gets saved and then Anthony goes home and he preaches the gospel and Carissima and DeAndre and Easton get saved and all of a sudden they go to school and they're living in the, in the light of the Lord and all of a sudden their, their classmates and their school buddies are getting saved. I mean, it's, it's like the best pyramid scheme I've ever seen because what we're doing is we're spreading the gospel of God because we have a purpose, and that purpose is the gospel. Check out this passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It has two of my favorite Bible verses in it, so it's kind of like an awesome scripture sandwich. But we'll start with 17. This is one of my favorites. It says, uh, I'm I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, and a new life has begun. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God. Who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the the world to himself. No longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin that we could be made right with God through Christ. Notice verse 20. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. I love that word ambassador. It's only used twice in the Bible, both times by the Apostle Paul, emphasizing the mindset that we, the role we have as believers, that we are carriers of the flame of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That that is a task that the moment we receive the free gift of salvation, God says, hey, you've got a few titles bestowed on you now that you're saved. You have sanctified, you have saved by grace, you have child of God, you have son or daughter of the king. Oh yeah, and one extra title that I gave you, tacked on at the end, you are now an ambassador. You are an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. I did a quick search for the job description of ambassador, and I thought this was pertinent enough to share. It says, at the most simplistic level, an ambassador Uh, Acts as a representative for his or her home country ambassadors usually live in a country different from their home country and work as a delegate for and a representative of their sovereign ruler jesus or nation heaven this means that they are responsible for understanding the culture in which they live as an ambassador but they must always work to keep the best interests of their home country in mind the moment that we got saved, not only did we change and our eternal destination changed, but our citizenship changed too because we are no longer citizens of the world. If you had a a written passport, if you had a written deed, you would actually say, I'm a citizen of heaven because now you 're leaving what was your home and you 're going home, and as citizens and ambassadors of heaven that we represent, we represent through our our words and through our lives that 's how we represent our sovereign ruler and our coming kingdom. We were praying the other day, and, and this is the interesting thing is because we do we are citizens of heaven, one huge caveat we have to remember is Not only do we want to not get distracted from our purpose of sharing the gospel, we only have so much time. That's a huge thing. There's a ticking clock on it. And we were praying the other day, and Pastor Ben, as he was praying, I had to write this down or keep it in my memory banks. He said, God, thank you for our time here on earth because I know in heaven, we'll never get to witness again. We'll never get to share the gospel again because everyone there will have already received that free gift. And I have to tell you right now, Looking at 2019, we have to remember that life is a one-way ticket. This is all we get. And it reminds me of our Genesis study on Wednesday nights. God through Noah gave an invitation to get on the boat, get on the ark. And Noah was out there and he was like, "Listen, there's going to be a catastrophe. There's going to be water falling from the sky." And they laughed at him. And Noah sent out this invitation through God, and eventually that time that time ended and God shut them in. And Jesus said that that's what the end times is going to be like. He's like, there's an invitation that's been given. So we have to remember our lives have a purpose, and we don't want to get distracted from it. That purpose is the gospel, the good news, and we are God's ambassadors. And then point number three, the gospel is powerful. Think about how many lives have changed because of the gospel. Lives like John Newton, a man who was a slave trader, who went on in his later life to write the hymn Amazing Grace. Lives like C.S. Lewis, a devout atheist who vowed, I am going to read this Bible and prove you wrong. And halfway through, got saved and went on to write some of the most powerful allegorical fiction works and other works like Mere Christianity and so many different books that are, that are required reading for theology students, theological students. Like Raul Reese, a Calvary Chapel pastor who uh, is in Southern California, who has a church of thousands, who just hours before his conversion was sitting in his living room with a shotgun waiting for his family to come home where he was going to shoot them and then commit suicide by cop until a Bible study came on TV. Lives like that. Lives like yours and mine. Lives like we spent one night in a city because we got arrested. That's the only time we have a memory of being there. We were talking to someone this morning. Lives where you said, I was a sinner, but now I'm free. I used to go this way. I was destined for hell. But now, because of God's free gift, I claim heaven as my, as my citizenship, as my home. Lives like the Apostle Paul who went from breathing hatred and death against Christians to becoming God's chosen spokesperson for the Gentiles. And no one understood this concept that the gospel is powerful better than the Apostle Paul because he wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Let's go ahead and turn there because I want you to see this. And we're going to be in Romans virtually for the rest of our time. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. It says for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. If you've been in our church for any amount of time, we've come across that word in the Greek for power. It's the word dunamis. It's where we get our English word dynamite. I mean, it is literally explosive. That's how powerful the gospel, the, the gospel is. It's got G-force behind it when it's used correctly, when it's shared passionately, when it's done with a purpose, when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit, it is the power of God to salvation. Now, what's so neat about the Apostle Paul is as you see his conversion and as you see his growth as a believer, that he was a man who knew how to share the good news of Christ. He'd had plenty of experience and practice because everywhere he went, he virtually shared. I mean, he set up church after church and after church. And um, it's so encouraging, and, and I go back to reading the Bible in a year because it was a few weeks ago that while we were reading, I came across the book of Acts. And on two separate occasions, there's a scripture where Paul is sharing his God story, his testimony, and he's testifying in front of religious rulers and in front of Roman magistrates. And really, here comes that conviction again, because I felt God impressing on my heart, not only for me, but also to encourage and share with this, this with our church, is you need to have your testimony ready. You need to have your testimony ready. Because if someone asked you, point blank today, could you tell me how you got saved? Do you have your God story, your testimony, locked and loaded? Do you have in your mind how God... Wooed you and how he encouraged you and how he called you and and can you concisely say that, or would you would you fumble over it? Because what God wants to do and First Peter three fifteen says this. He says, "But sanctify the Lord in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense or an explanation to everyone who asks you the reason for the hope that's in you with meekness and in fear. Always be ready to give every man an answer, an explanation." because what happens if all of a sudden you're like hey let me tell you about what god has done in my life and how i got saved and all of a sudden they turn around could you also then lead them to christ and, and honestly that's a daunting task but i want to spend i want to spend the remainder of our time today looking at the abc's of salvation and using roman's road as our guide and how any believer could use this to lead someone to Jesus. Now, just a quick disclaimer, just like the sinner's prayer, this is a tool and not a script. If you remember the sinner's prayer, it's, you know, Lord, please forgive me and we go through it, and Pastor Ben has said so many times that as people pray that thing, it's not like a magical incantation. You know, it's not, "Oh, now I'm saved and I can just go and live the life that I want to live." No, it's saying that Jesus, you are my Lord. And so we know that words alone aren't sufficient to save. And so just like the sinner's prayer, this is a tool. And what this is neat, what's neat about this is this is a simple and yet powerful way of explaining why we need salvation, how God provided it, how we can receive it, and what the results of salvation are. Because, like I said, our lives have a purpose. That purpose is the gospel, and the gospel is powerful. And I want it to be powerful in our lives. And so... With me, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give you A, B, and C. A is admit. A is admit. And we'll walk through these. Admit that you are a sinner. If you have your Bibles in Romans, you can turn to Romans 3.23. This is the first stop on the Romans road. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The easiest way to, to say sin is we've missed the mark. It says, hey, you know, how many of us have ever lied? I've lied, so that makes me a liar. How many of us have ever stolen something? That makes me a thief. I've sinned. And if you really are able to connect with people, then they're going to be like, oh, yeah, I've, I've missed the mark. I've fallen short. Because God's word says all have sinned. And then the next stop on the Romans road is Romans 6.23. And it says, for the wages of sin is death. The reward of sin, which all people have done, is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so that's the second stop is Romans 6.23. We said, we have to admit that we're a sinner. All have sinned and the wages of sin is death. So that's A. The B of the ABCs is believe. Because what we need to do is that believe that Jesus died for my sin. Believe that Jesus died for our sins. And we go to Romans chapter 5, verse 8 in the Romans road, which says, But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Such a powerful verse. That while we were enemies with God, he died for us. And so we want to believe that Jesus died for us. And then the C is confess. We want to confess that he is God and Savior and that we'll follow him and serve him for the rest of our lives. So admit, believe, and confess. And, and uh, stop number four on the Romans road is Romans ten nine through 13. I'm going to read it all. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that a simple tool? It's that simple. Admit, believe, confess. Can we remember those three things? The ABCs of salvation. Now, if you have that opportunity and and God is moving in your life and you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to lead somebody, then I would also tack on the D in the ABCs because right now once someone is saved we have to add the d of discipleship we have to add that because we want to instruct them we want them to grow i mean there are way too many baby christians out there who have never matured they've never gotten fed they've never been instructed in the ways of the lord and and sometimes you see them and you're like oh you're a baby and and you're just your heart is breaking because you know that there's deeper things of god and there's 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 more to be had in this life for them and they need discipleship. And church, that's what we want to do. That's why we have discipleship here at the church. And that's why we're starting another class soon is because we all need to be growing. Because every one of us, in a sense, has more room to grow. We're going to be constantly sanctified. It's that, it's that um, sanctification that happens all the way until Jesus calls us home. We're always going to be growing. And so we need discipleship in our lives. So admit, believe, confess, and then once they're saved, disciple. It's simple and it's practical, and I pray that it's super powerful as a tool in our arsenal for surviving and thriving as sojourners and pilgrims as we press on as ambassadors waiting for our heavenly country. Church, today, I want to encourage you, don't get distracted from your purpose. Don't Don't let the world or the devil, or our own possessions, our own flesh, distract us from what God has for us. He's given each of us a purpose. I want to close with these two things. I want to close with a passage and a challenge. And um, if you were here for the night of worship on Wednesday, it was awesome, and and Santos got up to share for a few minutes, and he shared from Hebrews 11, it's the hall of faith. And I want to read um, verses 13 through 16. And it's uh, speaking about heroes of the faith. And it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out of, they would have had opportunity to return. But now, this is where it gets awesome, they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Right there, it says, God is not ashamed to be called their God. You know what's so awesome? That word, ashamed? It's the same word where Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Think about it. God, the maker and creator of the universe, who knows the deepest, darkest parts of our souls and our hearts and still loves us, is not ashamed to be called our God. And he has prepared a place for us. That's our home. This is the shadow. That's the real. This is the blink. That's eternal. And for us to fix our eyes on it, it's, it's short-sighted, and it's stinking thinking, as Pastor Ben says. It's what the enemy wants, but God wants us to have the gospel on our lips at all times. Um, St. Francis of Assisi said, you, you preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words, because our lives should be shining as a light. and We should be salt of the earth. We should be that preservative in this world that is c- consistently and rapidly decaying is the gospel in our hearts. So that was the passage, and here's the challenge, and here's a way that we can apply this teaching. I challenge you this morning from the pulpit to find a brother or sister and tell them your testimony. Work on it. Share it. Take some time and say, hey, can I buy you a cup of coffee? It doesn't have to be four bucks. You could go to like a cheap one. You could go to McDonald's. They have good coffee too. But whatever it is, go and and. Tell them your testimony. Tell them your God story and and let it flow naturally. Let the Holy Spirit speak through you. If you were here again for the night of worship, Stephen encouraged us to have an accountability partner. Use them because I guarantee you, the neat thing about hearing somebody's testimony, what does it do? All it does is build our faith. All it does is reveal another aspect of how great God is and how wonderful his mercy is. Because all of a sudden you're like, I didn't even know that about you, and, and we don't want to use it as a bragamony, but it's like, I didn't even know that about you. God has saved you so, from so much, and God has done so much through your life, and, and all of a sudden, your faith is encouraged. So that's my challenge, is find a brother or sister and tell them your testimony. And then the second challenge is memorize these ABCs so that you're always ready to use this tool to share the gospel. We are ambassadors for Christ. And in 2019, I pray that you would know your life has a purpose. That purpose is the gospel, and the gospel is powerful. If we're available, God will use us. Let's make ourselves available this year. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, your word is so amazing, and, and your conviction is amazing. And, and to jokingly say I would want to shrug it off is, is, is only that, because we need your conviction. And it's your conviction that changes us, and it shapes us, and it molds us. And I thank you for it. And I thank you for this message for the beginning of 2019. And I pray that it resonated with our hearts. I know it did with mine. And I pray that we would hide your gospel in our lives, hide your word in our hearts, so that when we're squeezed, when we go through trials, that we realize that this world is light affliction, and that we're pressing on towards home, that we are no longer residents of this world. We're no longer We're no longer citizens of this world, but now we're we're pressing towards our citizenship. So today, Jesus, speak to us. If we're here and we haven't ever received you as our Lord and Savior, let us admit that we're sinners. Let us believe that you died for us and that you rose again. And then let us confess that you are our Lord and Savior and let us welcome you into our hearts. Today, you are glorious and we worship you in
0: your name we pray. Amen. Hey, this is Pastor Josh. I hope this message has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. If it has, we would love to hear your story of how it has impacted you or especially if you responded to the invitation to receive Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. To get in touch or to receive more information, please contact us by phone